Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hello, I'm Ed. Hey, I'm John. And, you know, this week we're going to kind of talk about, you know, rapid prototyping. You know, and the thing is, is that goes, that kind of stretches across everything we've talked about, you know, up to this day. You know, it's all your 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 IT stuff, your tech stuff, to your added manufacturing environments and stuff like that, to your OT standpoint of how you're having to rapid prototype stations, locations, technologies, stuff like that. You know, if you think about it, you know, we got the, you know, FDM printers, Senator printers, you know, um, you know, and all the other fun crap, you know, that we use to rapid prototype parts. However, at that same point in time, we're having to rapid prototype websites, servers, you know, that type of stuff, using Docker containers, using WYSIWYGs, um, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, we're using extruded aluminum to, out there to prototype stations and controls technologies just to make sure that things will run, you know. So it's like when you talk about rapid prototyping, you know, we're not really talking about the a small-scale application. You know, we're, we're looking at rapid prototyping as a conglomerate whole. You know, rapid prototyping crosses the industry, you know, not just in manufacturing where, you know, usually when we're talking about technologies, that's kind of where we like to stay, you know, but it, it crosses all domain spaces, you know, from the cybersecurity namespace all the way up into the, the manufacturing namespace and then on to the development namespace, depending on, you know, where you're at and everywhere in between. So, you know... I'm going to turn it over to y'all, you know, whoever wants to take it, be my guest. You know, what do y'all think about, you know, rapid prototyping? Because, you know, right now, as model years come out, stuff comes out, you know, all that, we're dealing with a rapid prototyping situation. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to, I'll start and then I'll hand it off to you, Ed. But, so, the first thing I'm thinking of when we're talking, like, rapid prototyping it is that you can try some things that you probably couldn't afford to do on a full scale, right? Like, of course, we were thinking, like, you don't want small items. Like, I'm not just trying to print this one little clip here. I want to print the whole piece and see how things work together. And is is my idea physically sound? Um, will will these parts, I don't know, You you, you tend to start seeing some things when you um, like let's say print it, um, and it's not a, it's just a model. You you tend to see some things that you wouldn't have seen before, um, mm-hmm. and you start to notice some things, and and then you can kind of you know adjust your prototype without having to fully make, you know, another car. Right. How, how would you rapid prototype come up to that point? Uh, so you mean the the car up to that point? You're, you're, so, you're, you know, the thing is, if you think about it, everything is is a whole at that point. Yeah. So so you, you can do multi-layer. What's that? Multi layer. So you, you can do different, um, of course, multi-layers. You can print the parts as well separately and see if they attach all together, and then you have the whole the whole picture. Um, and then 
I was also going to say, like, on a process side, is, like, if you have a whole new process you want to introduce, you need to introduce for your new product, and you don't have necessarily the the tools or, or the connections to do so, um, you can kind of make those things and see see if your idea would work before, you know, buying a whole set of robots to do something, right? You can have it run with a, a couple pieces you printed and on a small scale, and then, you know, we, we've talked about it before, simplicity scales. So if you can get your process there to work and then it can formulate your end goal, because I'm thinking about 3D printing as a means to an end, not it's the it's the, pro, the, mm-hmm. the piece. So if you're thinking about it, how do I make this process better with 3D printing? That's where I would start with the rapid prototyping. And then eventually it'd be nice to have a model of what okay. the end goal would be. So uh, all prototyping has to do to begin with CAM. You can't even print anything without a model. Yeah. So everything is going to be modeled and everything is going to be simulated. Mm-hmm. So all that's going to be simulated with software first. Now, yeah. somebody may sketch something on a piece of paper, but that sketch will be turned into a three-dimensional device. So that's that's step one. Yeah. Step two is going to be the person saying, hey, that's that's what I like. I think that's, that's a good idea. But I don't want to spend $100,000 sending this to a... Uh, fabricator or to a machinist to machine this out. Yeah. This is where the 3D printer comes in. The 3D printer is the thing if I need to take an idea from my head and test it out without spending thousands of dollars then I can make a prototype or a model that I can look at without having to spend thousands of hours trying to build this thing by myself. Right. That's, the, that's the thing that the 3D printer uh, so what, what we're getting into then after that is okay yeah I have that and of course, mathematics and all those things will be put into place first, because you have to look at stress of things, the material. You have to look at um, how would it be affected by the environment. If I have some thing that has to have a human inside of it, how would this thing have? How would this thing uh, uh, be affected by forces? If it's hit right. from the side, from the front, from the top. What about elemental things like rust, rain, sun, UV, so yeah. forth? So th- those things will be done. Pre, right. but far as if I want something in my hand to be able to touch it, to say, hey, this looks right, or even if I want my uh, marketing department to be able to have something, hey, do you like this? Does it look good? Did we do a survey and see what people were asking for? Is this ergonomic for everybody's mm-hmm. style? Uh, is this safe? Because now I can take that model and say, hey, this looks safe, but then I can do some, I can kind of do some experiments. So that's to me, that's the soul of a three D printer. Now, how would how would you how would you support the? Because I know how I would support it, but how would you support the rapid prototyping aspect of any industry from the OT standpoint? Well, I think like when we're talking rapid prototyping, you're also talking rapid station design too. Well, well, or either yeah, that's, way, that's everything things. starts with a simulation. Like no right, one exactly. says. Hey, go get a piece of foam and start cutting stuff. That's only in uh, special effects and things like Star Wars. Mm. But when I'm on a factory floor, uh, even when we start using extruded aluminum, that is only used for, hey, this is for uh, a moderate application. If I need to put pillars to hold the building up, I'm going to have a structural engineer do calculations first. Short-term versus Step one is, is someone has to take that education that they got from whatever university, <laughs> four-year or master degree or whatever they got, and then be able to take that and apply it with physics and those things first. Yeah. 
then to the question you're asking from my side, how does that apply to me? It applies to me because on the machine side, does the is the machine can the machine do what the engineer wants us to do? Yep. But what is the maintenance to that machine? Because yeah, you have to you have to you know yeah. prototype out the 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 station res- the the systematic response prior to buying the equipment. Well, sometimes you, you have to you have to take. We have to take some uh, bad with the good. Right, exactly. But the thing is, is then you're starting to deal with, you know, the old thing of cardboard stations. You know, where I build a cardboard station out and I walk through it. I kind of see what my equipment wants to do and stuff like that. You know, and then you can, it's kind of like a WYSIWYG, you know, first station before you actually go out and put the purchase order out for right. it and the PR and all the other crap. You know, you actually start building that station one piece at a time. You're going to get what you want. But, and the good thing is, is, you know, like we're doing a couple projects now, but... As we order or get ready to order equipment, we start rapid prototyping that equipment, saying, "Okay, cool. How am I to support that? You know, what what does my support process look like?" So that's when you take your engineers and your maintenance personnel, and they go buy off the equipment because yeah. the engineers, like I said, engineers live in a mathematical world, and the engineers live in a mathematical world. Hey, it worked for me once. Sign it off. Whereas yeah. maintenance and the engineers that are on the floor. Live in a different world. So process engineers and maintenance engineers yeah. live in a different world. That's, that's what's because say, machinery yeah. works a certain way for yeah. a certain amount of time. But what happens when the humans? In, well, I'm saying humans interact with it. Yeah. Right. Maybe the humans did something that we didn't. You know, when we do those models with software, software yeah. is a lot more robust mm-hmm. because we do a lot more testing. Right. With hardware, we don't do the same amount of testing. We take parts and put them together from suppliers, and the right. suppliers say, "Hey." This is what we've done in the past. This is new. We'll use this. It's better. It's more efficient. Well, what about like offline station setup? E- even offline, it's the same thing because what happens with builders? Builders use certain building blocks. Yeah. They they don't. I'm going out to use the newest thing. They're going to use what's um, to put it this way. They're going to use things that in no work. Right now, and, and maybe that doesn't work for every application yeah. when you're dealing with humans operating this equipment it's like you know from my side for example you know and i'm going to jump on put the, put the it and id hat on for a little bit and kind of play in that realm you know when we're trying to wrap a prototype something like that we're looking at like a WYSIWYG. you know what you see is what you get we're going to build your your application real quick see what you like if you like it you know kind of like a terrain model um you know if you're talking about like you know military field applications a terrain model you know it's what it is before you get to the, the target location before you get what you want However, if you're talking about like something called like Blue, like Blue Griffin, Blue Griffin's a WYSIWYG. It helps you build that application, that website mainframe, before you actually see it. So you see exactly what you want, the buttons work, everything kind of changes stations and stuff like that, and how you go. You know, we want to start at plan A and work our way back. You know, we can build, I can build an entire application just on my laptop, be able to test it all the way out before I put the PL and PR process out. I know what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. I know how I'm requesting that. You know, when from my side, when I'm supporting a, you know, maintenance installation or production installation or engineering installation, you know, we kind of look at it, you know, from the outside looking in because we're also looking at it from the, okay, cool, how is my system going to support this? So let me start prototyping system interfaces, system applications to work with this equipment because it might be new. You know, it's like you start talking about, you know, additive manufacturing and stuff like that and you start dealing with the fact that now I have to secure the damn thing. Um, also, you're dealing with building applications for it, SaaS products for it. Also, there's all these other products for an industry that's really not fully built up yet. However, it's getting there. 
um, I see within the next probably five to ten years, it's booming. You know, right now in the consumer namespace, it's what multi million dollars, um, tor- and tor- trillion dollars at this point, That's and great. growing drastically by yeah. the day. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is we see more and more rapid prototyping companies pop up. You know, here and there that are leveraging the, the added manufacturing namespace. You know, and also deductive manufacturing. You know, like CNC and stuff like that, injection molding and whatnot. You know, but the thing is, it's always you have to have a system to support that. You know, if you don't have a system to support it, you ain't getting anywhere. You know, and what I was getting at for um, offline station modification is bringing the entire station that you're going to install in line offline, bring it into the location, let the let let the let the team members work on it, and kind of see what happens. You're rapidly prototyping that station without actually putting that station in full blown production yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done that yeah. on multiple occasions. Yeah. And the thing is, is right there, you know, from the IT standpoint, from the maintenance standpoint, the engineering standpoint, we found issues yeah. almost immediately. You know, but the thing is, is what that did, that took us from, okay, cool, I've done my, um, my walkthrough with the cardboard boxes. I've used my AR to adjust, you know, where I yeah. want things. And then I went to the, you know, the shop floor where I don't have a six foot three engineer. I got a yeah. five foot two, you know, little short thing, mm-hmm. freaking, you know, working on a line that can't reach anything. Guess what? I got to move things down. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm prototyping at this point. Now, when I go to actually put that station in production, I know all I got to do is copy paste, you know, right. until it's there. You know, you put in the equipment all day long, day in, day out. You know, and, you know, sometimes you run into issues, you know, and from like our standpoint, from the IT standpoint, especially when I'm dealing with like MQTT and stuff like that, Industry 4.0, when I'm dealing inside that namespace, it's nothing but rapid prototyping because the, the thing is, is Industry 4.0 is brand new. It's not, it's something that hasn't been around for decades, so it hasn't been fully formulated yet. So, you know, your guys who are leading the charge are pioneering this stuff. And, but, but the thing is, is you can still take that IOT and the IOT standpoint and port it to additive manufacturing. We really felt like it easily, you know, it's the thing is, if you think about it, you know, we have companies out there 3D printing rockets, you know, using IOT, IOT and using Kuka robotics robots with weld heads on them to build things that are going to fly. Let that sink in for a minute. You know, so... That, that'll that land, it'll land, and you can fly it again. Right, exactly. So, so here's, here's the argument again. You can never make software match hardware. No, you can again. never make the physical world match virtual nope. world. So what I'm telling you is, is in an industrial environment that a company has millions of dollars, you're right. In space, where somebody has billions of dollars, you're right. Even in military, where somebody has billions of dollars, you're right. But where we stand today at the hobbyist level with a 3D printer, it is not at the same level as making a rocket. Right. That rocket that you're that. talking about is using sophisticated stuff that is not just something that I could take off the shelf. Even robot integrators can't even do that. They had to make special software to make that robot work. They had to make special hardware, and they even had to probably adjust the filament to work for that. Yeah. So what you're saying is totally correct far as what we're talking about where space and science. Well, that's just ideas of how it's working. Right? No, no, no. We know that space is working. We know that somebody printed a rocket, it went in space, it came back. That is that is not something that we're we're uh, saying that we think works. We know it works. 
We know that the military has used applications, and we know it works. We know that even major car manufacturers have used this, and even airlines have used this, and it works. Mm -hmm. the, my argument is that, yes, we can do 90% of this stuff virtual, but do you know that most of it, you can ask any robot programmer anywhere, they do, it's about 60% accurate. Yeah, exactly. Because they have to still go out in the in the field. Yeah, nothing's going points. to take out so the mechanical input. But we're talking about a factory. We're yeah. not we're not talking about the we're not talking about building one object over and over. Right, exactly. We're, we're just talking a factory. Exactly. We're, 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 this we're saying a factory level. Yeah. So, I so agree with that. I think you're you're correct in what you're saying that in five years we'll be there, because we won't be relying on humans. Right. We'll have AI, machine learning, IoT giving data back. We'll have the thing. We'll have the feedback circle to, set up. to make us get to that point. Well, right. see, that's that's the thing is the is the feedback the feedback loop that like it'll continuously upgrade. I think kind of getting back to what you were talking about earlier, Nick, when you were saying like, like we, the world revolves around money. I mean, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. So when I'm thinking rapid prototyping, it's how do I get this? How can I prove that this will work? And then. Get the funding for it because if I just came to you with the yeah. idea, you're gonna tell me I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. so for me, it's building a business case. So if I've got yeah. something that I'm like, hey, I know this sounds crazy, but hear me out. I'm gonna replace the hot the, the hot the heat bed with a kettle or with a uh, um, um, a griddle, mm -hmm. and we're we're gonna replace the hot end with a, 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 a syringe that outputs pancake batter. It'll use the same geometry code, the G code, and right? It'll so it'll work, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you came to me and told me that when I just found out about 3D printing, I'm going to say that you're crazy. I was like, you can't even get this right. Why are you trying to do it like that? I'd tell so, you to print a pyramid. Yeah. Well, print, show, show, me, show me the print works. So so the rapid prototyping, maybe on a whole process of a whole printer level, is not going to work like that. But like if I came to you with an outlandish idea, like, and, and I was like, hey, by the way, this will work. Watch. And then show you with the right. parts that's been 3D printed and kind of formulated that side. That's you know that's that's what we're talking about with the with the CNC and 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 making making like carts or something like that. That's like mm. limited lifetime. Mm. Um, it's we don't even know if this process is gonna be here next week. We 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 move this process over here because we thought it would be better, but then which by the way costs a lot of money to do. And then we start doing it and realize Able, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. costing us more money we need to move it back so you're now twice in the hole and you you done lost all the money when you were trying to produce it out of the section so it's like saving that time and headache for not only the engineer the ot guy and, and the it guy it's i i think that the the merit and the value in just getting it to to that point and then justifying the budget cost it's all it's also going to bring costs down like as overall, like you might even realize that hey, I was gonna buy these parts metal. The three D parts work better. They they slide better. Mm -hmm. Things like that. The weight the weight taken mm -hmm. off of it may may make this a little glide a little bit better and things like that. So it's it's a lot of of course trial and error. We're we're doing the scientific method with this. Like it's never gonna be perfect. I'd say mm -hmm. um, there's always honestly there's always gonna be something that you can upgrade. And well, the thing is, it also helps you prototype out your CAD CAM you know information. Yeah. Is the CAD CAM information correct before I put a mass order in for this? Oh yeah. You know and have this produced. You know I can print out something that's you know four or five cents, 
you know, bring it to the line, validate, okay, cool, my clips work. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now let me put an order in. Right? My, my geometry doesn't suck. You know, but if you go out there and you're like, oh, crap, I'm two millimeters off. Whoops. You know, yeah. let me go back and redo this again. You know, you're o- you're only what? Uh, what, eight cents? Mm-hmm. If you count your time and the energy that you used? I, I couldn't tell you how many times. And I, I, Ed's over here grinning like an eager beaver. You know, because the, the amount of times that we've seen people waste money on parts and say, it'll fit. And it'll he ordered fit. 100 parts of it. You're like... Coming back next week, that'll fit. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that, is, talk about that is the use case for 3D printers. The use case for 3D printers yeah. is I can do rapid prototyping. I can take it out into the physical environment and install it, or I can take it and be able to hold it in my hand. Because mm-hmm. there are some shapes that I don't care what technology we have, they cannot make them. No. It, it, is, it is feasibly impossible only by 3D printing or by using resin or some technology with, um, we use some uh, powder and we fuse the powder. Only with those technologies can you even make these shapes. Right. So th- I, just for me, and I'm, I am a, I am, propo- I am a proponent of 3D printing. I just know far as the hobbyist compared to where we are with industrial and things like that is not the same. Yeah. Even in the application where we say in manufacturing where this becomes a viable thing, it's the weakest the weakest point or the thing that I think is the the limiter or the governor in this system is the filament or the materials. Right. The materials just have not uh, been able to be made um, economical enough or they have not found the right composition with these materials that this material here has the same strength as titanium. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's close, but it's not titanium. And I think that's where we need, to, we need to have the... Because yeah. <laughs> titanium tantalum or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they print it, but yeah. if, if, if Singapore has it, why is it not in every market? Yeah, but, but it's like, the thing is... It's, it's, like, it's, 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 it's in select things. Yeah. And I, I think that you know that's where we kind of turn to the industry and... You know, and they need to get involved and kind of, you know, support, you know, something that's going on. You know, it'll never replace traditional manufacturing methods. I think you're wrong. I it, think it will. Maybe I, eventually, yeah. I think it will. It's just, you know, if with enough support from the industry, it could catch up. And it's getting there, you know. And, but the thing is, is the ability to take something from the CAD CAM namespace to the physical hardware namespace makes a difference because you know i don't want an engineer developing a hammer that's an octagon you know octagon you hand it to me it's like what the hell is this um i bet you gave it back to him and tell him to try it he wouldn't know where to start right exactly so it's <laughs> and, like you know at least give you time, something to hold on to in yeah. real time you can do that you can do that evaluation in real time yeah i don't have to wait six weeks for yeah. something to be manufactured right i can get it in 60 yeah. minutes right so so in that sense it's it's saving time yeah it's saving which is headache. Which is what? It's saving money. Money, yeah. Time is money. Money is money. Money is time. You know, time is money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it's the whole thing of you know, slow is fast, fast is slow. You know, it just kind of really just depends on where you're going with it. Now, now I will agree that uh, on the filament and material side, like those consumables, they've got some way to go. Um, the on you know, if you're thinking about what's the most easily produced you know, or mass produced right now, PLA. Um, it that's consumer level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not gonna be impact resistant, heat resistant. It's none of those things. You could take heat to it again; it'll melt back to, to like a little 
uh, a puddle of plastic on, mm. on, on your print bed. So in that sense, yeah, I can say that it's got a ways to go. I agree, Nick, that industry um, needs to uh, kind of get a buy-in. Um, and, and that's not the easiest thing in the world to do um, because you've got to convince everybody. And, you know, when you're leading projects like that, you've got to convince not only the manager who's holding the budget in their hand, you got to convince the project leader whose head is on the block if that budget doesn't match or those deadlines don't match. Right. But if you can get into their head and you can say, hey, when's your due date? You've got four or five weeks to do this. Okay, I'll get you, I'll get you four or five prototypes or I'll get you a prototype a day for the first week until we find out what we can do, and I'll get you everything after that. I think that they would they would bite yeah. on that immediately. Yeah, exactly. So like that's I mean, it, it needs it needs so, work, but so let it's me moving in the right direction. Let me say this: so so by by no means am I saying that three D printing is is not the uh, the next thing. That's going to be revolutionary or the next thing that's coming for manufacturing. I guess what I'm saying is uh, what we just said, mm-hmm. what, what Nick said. Okay, all the things we said about the advantages of it, we everybody knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the biggest advantage is getting it in the consumer's hand. That To me, that is the biggest advantage of 3D printing. You're being able to take something and put it into an engineering student hand so that he can create things that he probably otherwise wouldn't be able to create without help. Yeah. But the thing about the 3D printer is, this is why I feel, it, it may maybe it's a little longer than five years, but I am telling you, once they perfect the filament, once they perfect the medium, once they make that economical enough where a manufacturer can take that and print stuff as strong as steel, or print stuff is lighter than tit- uh, titanium, or make alloys that you could other no you couldn't make any other way. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be the thing that gets you in the space. That's gonna be the things that gets you past Mars. Mm-hmm. So th- this is the technology of the future. Yeah, you know, as with me, I always just try to tell what I see now. I see now it's it's young, but it's growing. I, I see this part of the industry for that zero name space. Um, you know, I, I definitely see that, you know, as I see that we've, we've kind of hit that, that marker, you know, at the start of the industrial revolution, the 4.0, but it's not going to be mainstream probably till the middle to the end of it. You know, we're going to industry, what, 4.5 or whatever the Germans come up with next. Um, so even then they're using it a lot more than we are here at this point. Um, and you know, the thing is, is, Hey, you know, if that's the case, share the wealth, you know, let us know what you're doing. You know, we want to know, um, you know, it's just, it's the thing that, you know, when you look at it, you know, getting somebody, like you said, that, that somebody in, in school to use the, use it to kind of learn, you know, what metallurgy is and stuff like that. Your, your different, your, your, your properties and stuff that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I see the greatest part of, you know, with uh, a, you know, a, a additive manufacturing, you know, or 3d printer or however the heck you want to look at it, you know, the one of the best ones out there is free forms right now is the fact that medical students, medical universities buying one of these things to make parts that the, that the students may not see unless it was printed with a printer, you know? Um, like, what, what would you use before that? Cadavers, things like right. that, and it wouldn't be... You know, I, I understand that, you know, you know we, we've lost a lot of people in the last couple of years. However, there's not a whole lot of people volunteering to be a cadaver. Um, so, 
the greatest part that you get is the fact that you can get some of these 3D printers printing realistic skulls, bones, stuff like that, that shows these students how to do a splice. You know, shows them how to do certain things. Also, your uh, uh, your TPU filament, your flexible filaments, you can learn to stitch uh, wounds up with it. You know, and teach you know your some of your 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 medical doctors on how to how to do stitches and butterfly stitches and stuff like that. Cut it out. And guess what? It's back to normal again. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that. You know, you mold that around a three D printed bone. You know, and you can actually you can you can go through the entire process. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you make three D printed bones and you make the rest of the organs of that with, with TPU yeah. or TPE. Mm-hmm. You or, know, or resin print. Or, or resin can be done with resin. Right, and that's where the freeform guys come in. Yeah, the the freeform, and I'll, I'll bring them back up. You know, freeform industries. Those guys who are building the freeform printers. They did a great job from all the pic, from all the stuff I've seen, you know, stuff like that. You know, their 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 filaments and powders that they you know take into account, they're very precise. I mean, they're absolutely yeah. micron precise at this point. Not even just the fil- the, the the materials, but like the software that yeah, it's, it's, it's leaps running. and bounds better than everybody else. Well, which let's be honest, the software is always ahead of everything. Right, yeah. exactly. Because unfortunately, with software, there's working always... IT, and you realize that's really a, a kind of common <laughs> well, but error. I mean, like no. let's be honest, software always have the mechanisms in place to verify, right, to, to a point. Whereas the hardware is, we have a firmware and it's locked into that firmware, and then the manufacturer is saying, uh, you know, he uses this firmware and don't want to, yeah. don't want to update it. That's why you have some of the exploits because of that. Yeah. But software as a general, like even when you're talking IT and you're talking, hey, I'm doing web development or or a SaaS product or even if you're just doing a web-based application, it's a lot of testing it going in there. Yeah. Nobody just spit out a little bit of code and say, hey, it's perfect. Somebody has to bet that. It's a little bit different in the in the in the uh, hard the hardware side. Yeah. Mind you, we we we've had those people that. Hey, I built this. This works now. And they spit it out. And you go. It don't work. Yeah. Nope. Don't don't mm, don't try that again, please. Nope. Nope. Mm, this and doesn't it, work this way. And that's and that's <laughs> why the software part of anything right now is because how do you think GitHub was born? Yeah. How do you think open source was born? It was by people saying that they're going to share. And that's what's going to happen with three D printing. You got open source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got people. You know, sharing project uh, projects, sharing models. Uh, yep. Thingiverse. And the reason that the filament is even where it is now is because of hobbyists. Yep. The hobbyists are the one that's trying all these different filaments. Well, and the thing is, is that 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 you know that kind of leads you to the fact that you know your next generation engineers have been exposed to this for longer than you know most of us yeah. have ever thought about. You know, you got you know guys or you know kids right now that are you know 10, 11 years old, who have been playing with three D printers for the past five or six years. You know, they're going to grow up in a world of three D printers. You know, right now we have engineers who only fathom that that and these same. things were around when they were in school, and they they were doing what I was doing when I was in middle school and building bridges out of you know sticks and things. Yep, mm-hmm. and volcanoes, right? Paper mache. Well, I, and I now you got a three D printer that you just print the darn thing at and stick a thing in the bottom of it. And all good. I want to throw something to John. What, what what would a what would a physicist that was young would have been able to do with a three D printer? Oh man, you know there was a lot of things that I did no when I was <laughs> when I was in high school that like <laughs> I had to like make something do something it was not supposed to. <laughs> um, I think that my favorite class actually that I remember was like uh, honors geometry, and it was we were just thinking about how shapes fit and things like that, and 
Um, if if I was given a three D printer in that in that mind uh, in that mindset, we were doing projects like how can you um, how can you create something to absorb impact uh, when dropped at five feet, ten feet, fifteen feet off the mm-hmm. top of the bleachers? Like if the I egg could, test. yeah, it would, the egg test. So if I could, and that. I had to make that out of household things. I couldn't take anything else out. But if if she said, make it with everything, every part with a 3D printer, yeah. I bet you there'd be a lot crazier items that would yeah. come out of there. TV That's my box. first thing that I, I think of immediately um, because we, we also made kites and things like that. And I was making kites out of, out of um, uh, what was it, like um, bottles and, and newspaper and straws and stuff like that. If you gave me a 3D printer... I'd make a crazy looking kite. So like that's that's one thing. If if you taught me how to to work with CAD, anything, you you'd have some crazy items. And if we get that, that's that's what I was gonna actually go to when when I when I, I was gonna give you guys time to finish. But the the teaching aspect of it is, I think, just invaluable because you, you're saying we we talked about it a second ago. Is you the engineer whose mind is math and isn't isn't thinking of the hardware or the application side of it he's he's like on paper this is good i've tested i've ran the numbers this will work and then you give it to the ot guy and he's like i ain't gonna work it don't work he's like okay well you reach that up there and i'll sit down here because i'm only like four foot tall like you go ahead and do that piece that will teach that engineer physically this is not feasible things like that and then also it gets into the point where the feedback loop is you teach that engineer, that engineer may find something that he likes, start showing it to people, start showing it to people, kind of how we've, we've been honestly doing. Yeah. It's like growing it in that sense. So for me, the geometry class is the first thing I think of. Um, now, on the calculus side, rates of change and things like that, I can immediately think of, um, I can immediately think of applications of that. I, if, if I stepped up into even on my college courses with like gradients and, and, and changes like that, fluxes and things like that, how does charge go through this material? Like that would have changed all of my classes, period. So I don't know. I, now you're going to make me got look, go look up some of my old like notebooks and start seeing well, what I was working on. But the thing on. is that this goes back to the conversation that we've had, you know, in the past. You know, it's we need to, there, there needs to be a need to get a the you know I know we're running over, um, that we you know to get a three printer of some sort into the hands of teachers, yeah, you know we need to make that change and we need to make that change quickly, you know if we're gonna if we're if we know that the three D printers are being pushed into the the fourth industrial revolution you know this current revolution the the, the industry four five dot zero which will be following you know in a couple of years after this. We know that's coming. We know added manufacturing is on the way. We know it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we need to make the the, the, the um, conservative approach is to get you know these systems into the hands of kids, teachers, professors, parents. You know, to show kids that you know anything's possible. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah, cool. You know, we use them in school. We use them at work. You know, whatnot. You know, print our, our prototyping parts. However, a kid taking it and taking theory and making it, you know, a hard, you know, proof out of it, you know, is, you know, mind-blowing. You know, because that's something they get to live with now. Yeah. And I tell you what, it would it would stick with me, like, forever. Because I, I still remember the shape that I made for my egg drop. 
I still remember what I used and, and how I got it to work. I didn't win, by the way. <laughs> it and, was a competition. But if you think about it, if you, give, if, you, if you get these into the classrooms now, you'll have more prepared engineers, you know, 100%. getting through. Um, more prepared physicists getting through the systems now. You know, more people who 100%. understand, more, you know, more prepared maintenance techs who, who are coming, or maintenance engineers who are coming through the standpoint of, hey, guess what? This is what this means physically. Yeah, you know, I, I knew I know how it you know how how this bolt works and how it was formed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what centering technology is. I know what you know using you know flux welding welding is to you know prevent to, to create something. Mm-hmm. You know, however, that's on a bigger scale, and please don't put that in the classroom. Um, <laughs> you know, that might end up very badly. So you yeah. know, when we start getting into like you know spin welding and all that other, we'll, we'll leave that one out for now. You know, stir, 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 stir welding. I'm actually what? curious. You know, um, <laughs> I, I, I would say we would, but I don't have, you know, $2 million to buy a stir, spin, a stir welder. It's, I know a guy. We'll, we'll call him maybe, and I'll say, hey, let me let me just use it one time. <laughs> I would say that's probably, for me, that was probably five, about, I would say eight to ten years ago where we saw that technology mm-hmm. first being used in a lab. Mm-hmm. But... Um, now it's normal. Now it's, yeah, now it's normal. Uh, replacing but, pieces. But in, in the future, that may not even be necessary. If the filaments can come up, and they can, yeah. you know, I, I imagine that some of these exotic filaments exist and, uh, you know, in some patents or exist in a military application or in some science or space application right. that, that hasn't been, that's not um, feasible for say on a consumer level, right, or feasible for a manufacturing process because of cycle time. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I imagine that maybe what we think three D printing is becomes something different in the future. Oh, I, I, I you hundred know, percent agree. Yeah, maybe we're using wavelengths. Yeah. To to do or microwave well, energy yeah. or some other type of energy other than heat. Well, think about you know taking mag yeah. welding. You know, or MIG welding. Yeah. As you add a layer on top of a layer on top of a layer, well, technically you're 3D printing. Well, see, see, this that's exactly the point I was going to get to. Is like, it's, it's, um, the chemical process mm-hmm. is, is what we're is is what actually is like. So I'm I'm 3D printing something. Okay. So you're making something, mm-hmm. but it's how my chemical process of just you know applying heat works for the FDM. Yeah. Um, applying Solder. UV rays works for Resins, Resin. yeah. um, uh, powder bed, uh, uh, welding. You're you're physically welding that powder with the laser mm-hmm. in those positions. So like, it's the chemical reaction. Like maybe there's probably chemical reactions we haven't touched on that could that could assist in three D printing as well. That's when you start getting like the argon and the dot, yes. and then that you start getting the you know different types of chemical yeah. you know additives. Right. But in a microwave right now. I can do things in microwave and, and accelerate molecules in any material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Water is a good, good yeah. way to look at that. Well, that, let's yeah. say that there are molecules in plastic or molecules <laughs> in whatever material you want to use. Even metal has molecules. Oh, yeah. If you're able to generate enough energy that you can manipulate those molecules, whether I use electricity, high voltage electricity, UV with resin, polarization, mm-hmm. heat. Or, or, you know, I change the voltage from a negative to a positive, mm-hmm. or I use nuclear reaction, or I just use a chemical reaction, mm-hmm. whatever it is. You know, what, what I'm getting at is that technology has just not been taken from 
a application where it's billions or millions of dollars to an application where it becomes a few thousand dollars. Right. When that application becomes a few thousand dollars, that's why companies yeah. laser well right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I mean, it's it's just it's just a matter of making things that already exist. So the science is there. Yeah. It just has to be scaled down the application to manufacturing. Yeah. That's that's the only difference. Yeah. Scale down or scale or scale yeah. up how you yeah. look yeah. at it. Yeah. Well scale down and then scale up the right. technology that you're trying to apply to yeah. uh if you can make it on a simple scale first, that I think that that's probably just, mm-hmm. just the most preferred. And if you think about it, the guys who are leading the packs on you know industrial three D printers right now, you know, is HP, Canon, mm-hmm. you know, the, the oh, big. You'd be surprised. Siemens may not have uh, a printer itself. Well, they might have a printer, but they got the software to do it. They do the software. They got the software. Yeah. So they and and I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they have the the actual ones that can. You know, make it. Well, yeah. the thing is, it's like when he say HP and Canon. It's the reason he said HP and Canon. Oh yeah. The reason we have laser, you know, uh, inkjet printers and laser printers. HP led the back on that. They they developed that technology like fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now now they have laser so, 3D printers. I wonder what Polaroid's at. So I'm gonna say like <laughs> yeah, it's still like, around. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm saying like they developed that technology, yeah, yeah, and right, these right. these guys got like years of experience. But it's not going to be one company that's going to do it. It's going to be everybody. It's just like with welding. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you use AVB or you use Fanic or whatever, Motoman or whatever robot you use. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. The, the The concept is the same. You have a, a something that's getting you voltage, mm-hmm. and that voltage is being applied. You have a filament, which is welding wire. Mm-hmm. And you have a gas, which is causing the chemical reaction, or a blanket. Yeah, shielding gas. Shielding gas, basically. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's that's the chemical reaction you're talking about. Yeah. That's the process of the filament that's at the point that it's been developed. And we're talking about welding wire that goes crazy. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so many different types of welding wire. Yeah, solid it's liquid, 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 liquid to solid, yeah. Yeah, so, so what I'm saying is... To a gas. And the gauge, too. Yeah. The concept is there. Yeah. We just have to make... This that's at the hobbyist level, which the hobbyists are probably the ones that are going to figure out the way to apply it to a manufacturing process, and then the people that's in the industry are going to figure out a way to make the medium work mm-hmm. affordably. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can see that. Yeah. You know, and I think really, you know, we're, we can we can talk about rapid prototyping all night. Yeah, probably. You know, <laughs> and so this is probably not going to be our, our only episode of Rapid Prototyping. We're probably going to get down a little bit deeper into some of the namespaces, you know, that we kind of discussed. But, you know, again, you know, I want to throw out there, you know, I want to say, you know, thank you, you know, to everybody who's who's taking the time out of their day, um, you know, to listen to, you know, the, the ramble and the, you know, slight sarcasm that we got going on. Slight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like me. I, I like you know cutting things short, but there we go. you know you should know that. Um, you know, hello phone book. Um, right. So you know, learn we don't take each other serious or too serious at least. You know, especially not yet. Um, but you know, at least, but we have fun with it. You know, that, that's the that, that's what matters. Um, you know, we hope you all have fun with it too. You know, send us questions. You know, concerns, comments. Um, you know, you know it's but we'll go from there. We'll see where that goes. You know, but. It's one of those things of thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, we never thought that we'd ever get to this point. 
when me and Ed started this um, adventure, um, we were just happy it made it to Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, well, it's it's grown a little bit past uh, you know the U.S. and we've now migrated to different parts of the world. You know, parts that some of us never been to, parts of us won't want to go to. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes. Okay. But you know, from me, I say thank you. You know, I'm gonna turn over the guys. You know, have a good night, and uh, you know, we'll catch you around. So, uh, if you can't question each other, or if you can't challenge each other, you're never gonna get to what's beneath. If everybody agrees, then nobody ever gets to. Why can't we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's always been that way. Well, it don't have to always be that way. So. Everybody has a different vantage point because everybody's not the same height. I mean, some people are taller, some people are shorter. Why would you yeah. going back? To <laughs> <laughs> but, so you step off that bed. You won't be right, on the table. But, but, but I, I will say this, and I know we're yeah, going yeah, over yeah. a little bit. But the thing I will say is that we do this because we're passionate about it. Yeah. We're 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 not grandstanding or trying to get you know uh, get attention from people. We're trying to bring awareness to people. Uh, we might not all we might not always start at the same uh, direction, but we always end up at the same point. Yeah. So, like I said, I appreciate um, all of the support, and we're gonna turn it over to Chance and uh, uh, thank you guys. Yeah, I mean, I echo the same thing. Always, thank you. Um, um, to Ed's point, it's um, those people that are telling you no uh, or giving you reasons detractors you know whatever you want to call it they are also a means to get you to improve so it's not it it shouldn't ever be a negative um so honestly from from us if you hear something that you don't like or you think you you know particularly disagree with let's talk about it Mm -hmm. i'd like to hear maybe i haven't seen it from that view and and that's 110 percent okay um, it's, it's okay. Everybody has an opinion. Um, you know, some people may have a more right opinion than others. <laughs> or or yeah. think they do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, that's true. But, but no, it's, it's, it's all in good, uh, it's all in good faith. And, and, and for us, it's, it's something that, you know, if you're not challenging the boundaries, you're not challenging of what people think they know or what people are claiming is, you know, hundred percent the truth, then are you really challenging anything? Are you really trying to improve or innovate? No. So um, we, we welcome the challenges. You know, I honestly, like, I don't mind the discussions. So I, I welcome you guys. Like, let us know what you're thinking. If you think that we should try something, if you don't agree with a thought or a process or idea, let us know. I mean, the only thing we could do is, like, talk about it. We could see your side. We may agree with you, but we've never seen it. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I had, though, guys. So, so we appreciate right, it. Yeah, we'll see you all later. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at vulcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.